What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of Define Your Legacy. All right, I'm your host, Lee Elijah McBee. And before we tap into today's episode, all right, I want to shout out the online store for Define Your Legacy, which can be found in the link of the description of this episode. All right, there's t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, all that. All right, so feel free to check it out in the link of this description in the, in the episode, okay? Um, but yeah, going right in, um, we have Antti on, on the show. How you doing? It's good to see you. Good to have you here. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So if you don't mind, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and your story overall? All right, so my name is Antoinette Gunter. I'm currently a registered nurse. I grew up in Bloomfield, Connecticut, went to all public schools, Bloomfield High, Carmen Race. Then I attended UConn for my first bachelor's. And I got my bachelor's in allied health science and I was a first generation, first generation um, college student out of my family. And then after I got my second bachelor's degree in um, nursing, so currently I work at a hospital on a trauma slash neurology floor. Um, and I'm going into my first year of nursing come March, so I'm excited. Yes, yes, yes. Con- congratulations, congratulations. Um, and so the, the, one of the things that I heard stick out was first generation college student. Um, so what does that mean to you? Um, well, I guess it's just starting my legacy, my generation. Um, and what's to come. So my parents migrated here from Jamaica and then they provided opportunity for me to go to school, get my education, take things seriously. And now I'm in the career that I'm in today because of them. And I would not be here without my parents. And so do you think that like the opportunities that you started to um, experience in college have kind of shaped you into uh, the person that you are today? Um, Definitely. I think it definitely started before college just in my like personal life and my spiritual life, like God is the head of everything I do. So they definitely instilled that within me. And then I was able to bring that into my like college experience. So with him directing my path and then my family like encouragement. And my mom was like one of those strict Jamaicans, but she knew there was something greater in store for me. So that's why I'm in the position that I'm in today. Yeah. And do you feel like there were any like tough times throughout your journey, whether it be through college or even now just overall just kind of dealing with certain things that that become with the you know the time that you're that you're out there uh, of course so at first I didn't like my four years I didn't really have like a path at UConn I didn't really have a path that was going on I was just figuring it out so I had like a three-year break of me just taking classes over again and really figuring out what I wanted to do so I started off as a CNA like many people don't know that about me that I was just a CNA uh, regular work same job that my mom came from Jamaica and did. So she already had her reservations and saying like, no, I don't think you should do that. She just wanted me to keep going to school and just finally be in a career. So that three-year break, I basically had to prove to my parents that being a CNA was just one stepping stool for me to be where I am today. And then now I'm a registered nurse. So I definitely see like, feel like she saw the fruition as time went on. But so I want to ask, did you, did you with confidence believe that you would be where you're at today? And I say that because, you know, once you make it, it's easy to say, yes, of course. But during those stages of, of, of that portion of your life, what was it that kind of kept you either going or was it, did you really feel like, all right, yeah, I'm definitely going to, to reach this level of life? Absolutely not. Like at first I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Then I thought I was going to be like a healthcare management business aspect because people say I'm like really to the point and like strict about everything. And then I was just like, you know what? My sister was a registered nurse and she is a currently a registered nurse. She's in her um, APRM program. And I saw her experience 
And I was just like, I want to be like my sister. <laughs> like if she watches this, she's going to be like, yeah, <laughs> she copied me. But <laughs> um, honestly, I would just give all the credit to like my sister and her experience. I saw what she went through with nursing school and like the endless nights and how like caring she was. And I was just like, that's something I could definitely see myself doing is giving back to my patients. And I guess that experience shaped me into like the career path that I decided to go on as well. So I'm gonna ask you this though, how how uh how different do you think things would have turned out if it wasn't for your sister, or at least being able to see her, you know, do that? I probably would have been a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I know people say like I, I have like a little bit of argumentative spirit in me, but um I didn't like to read books and like lawyer path, nursing path, nursing's more experimental, you get your hands dirty. So I was just like after seeing her do like the fun experiments. She was like, can I come home and put an IV in you? And like those type of hands-on experience is really what shifted my path. Like, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. And like her stories that she was telling me. So that that's the reason why I went to like the healthcare field overall. Yeah. And do you feel like she kind of uh, put you under her wing, if you will? No. Or was it? Or, I, I <laughs> she gave me you. like- <laughs> or, or, No, that's what I'm saying. Or, so like, or was it like you saw her doing it, but at the same time you had to, you know, figure certain things out on your own and kind of, you know, that's exactly what it was because sometimes she would ask me like are you sure you want to do nursing because she definitely goes through nursing is not like roses all the times like it has a stressful pathway so I definitely saw the aspect like the downsides and the upsides but I just knew there was something bigger than just me caring for one person it will be like me touching a lot of people so that's why I stared in that direction instead but I feel like is, is that like like one of the biggest upsides to nursing is just like, how does that feel? Like just the idea of like helping people being a source of like, you know, like you, you really help someone with their, with their day out there. Like, it's like, how, how, how is that? Is that a, a part of the process? Yeah, it's not, it's, it's actually fulfilling just to know like where someone started is at like their bottom, like their health scare for them. Mm -hmm. And then just to see them either walk out or pass into like a peaceful um, life like it is that's the part that like that's fulfilling to me personally mm. it's just like being having a little say in what direction they'll go mm. so. but emotionally that doesn't that does that take a toll on you absolutely I think I'm desensitized to death at this point to be honest with you and I don't think a lot of people talk about that in nursing is that when so if a family member comes to me with a problem like you automatically think these can be, this can be like the negative aspect if you go down this route, instead of always thinking like, yeah, like be a believer, miracles happen, things like that. So I definitely think that being so hands-on with nursing and seeing so many people die, like it kind of makes you a little bit like it's gonna happen, like a shrug shoulder, like it's just a part of life, you know? But you know like the downfall. But you know what, though, like in, in saying that, though, does that make you in a way like want to live life a little bit more like to the fullest, like really seeing that, like, you know, it can really happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like I try the times that I have my time off is my like downtime, my me time. I figure out what is going to be my next steps. Like I try to leave nursing at the hospital when I come home. It's like me. What will make me like develop my purpose or what will make me happy pretty much so yeah is that a um a struggle at times being able to like flip the switch from when you leave work to going home 
Definitely. Like my first few months in nursing, yes. Like I was still coming home, like what could I have done differently? But now like I came into this routine, like when I go in my car, pure silence, just think about your day. When I get out my car and I go home, that's it. No more conversation about it. No more like, what could I have done differently? How could I have did something to help some, um, like a coworker or a patient have a better day? I just have to let it go because the next day it's going to be the same thing. So it's a pa- like a pattern. Yeah. But is there like any other ways that you feel like you deal with that? I know you, you know, you mentioned, you know, going to car, into your car and, and sitting in silence, but is there, like, I don't know if there's any, like, I guess, part of like training that goes into the process of just like, okay, because obviously this isn't like a typical job, right? There's obviously some people that get stressed because things just aren't going well at their job. Like it's another thing to deal with death and be stressed, right? That's a, that's a completely different ballgame. So is there anything that you kind of deal with to, uh, like, I guess, cope or, 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 or deal with that at all? Well, the good thing about having a sister is I could like tell her my frustrations and she completely understands that's a nursing. So like sometimes we have like our conversation about like how the day could have went better and then we leave it at that. Also prayer works. So if I'm like, I need to have a better day tomorrow, like I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. I feel like I should call out like God is definitely listening air for me. So those are them two ways like meditation and then just relieving everything with my sister and then part ways with everything that's going on yeah that's real um you know obviously you know so we talked about um the the brighter side of some of it but um what would you say is a part or a part that maybe not a lot of people know about you know healthcare in this industry um the stuff that you might not like see on television if you will um and it doesn't have to be like too specific but just the idea that like you know there's certain mix of pains, but you know you don't know until someone who's actually um, in the field doing the stuff. So, what would you say? I think that in any second, things can take a turn for the worse. Like your patient could be doing perfectly fine. You build that relationship after you've been working with them for like a few days, and then you come back to work and something happened. Like they had a heart attack. They went to cardiac alert. They're in the ICU, and you never really get that closure because you don't know if you're going to see that patient again because you can't like go on the system look them up because that's considered illegal but it's just like I didn't get to say goodbye and I feel like that's what people don't understand about nursing like it's not everyone doesn't walk out that door like they could be in another unit or in a body bag like you just never know and that's what makes like you keep wanting to come back is because you want to see everyone walk out you want to see how the story ends for them and I feel like that's a part of like healthcare that a lot of people don't understand. How is it seeing people if, if you have that are younger than you? It's difficult. I would say I used to work on previously before the like the neurotrauma unit, I used to work on a like kidney transplant floor. So there was people that I met that were dealing with diabetes since they were born type one diabetes and it's uncontrolled or sickle cell disease, which affects like the African-American community more than a lot of people touch base on. So seeing like another person in pain younger than me, like I, I wanna help them. And then also in the back of my head, like that could have been me. So it's definitely a different, like a difficult situation that you have to deal with every day. Yeah. And, you know, the reason why I asked that, and you brought up a good point, like it could have been me. Um, so I, to, to someone who's kind of seen um, stuff like that, what would you say to just 
I guess, younger people in general, in terms of like just living life and just like remember that life in itself is, is, is very, very precious. I would definitely say take care of your health at a young age, like start early. You just never know what the future holds. You never know um, what can happen. Definitely like go to your appointments and protect. I can't stress enough. Mental health is very important because once you're faced with a health difficulty, all of a sudden you have like these thoughts of either depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts. You just never know how everything's going to come to play when you're just sitting in that bed by yourself, especially like with COVID, you can't see as many people and you don't know, you honestly don't know your mental health until you're alone in that situation. So I would definitely say like, get ahead of that as soon as possible, going to your like doctor's appointment, not just saying, you know, I have YOLO, I'm going to just live life the way I want to, especially with like alcohol. I've seen the toll of people saying I started at 16. And they're in the situation that they're in trying to just go through withdrawal process. So I would definitely start life now. Like if you haven't already taken care of your health and just figuring out what the future like can have in store for you. So like your genes, what diseases running your family, like knowing your history, things like that. Yeah. Do you think you kind of take mental health not as seriously as the others? Um, and the reason why I, I ask that, because obviously financial, you know, everyone wants, you know, obviously money and um, mm -hmm. physical health, you know, we talk about the parents, but mental health is the one that I feel like is somewhat invisible. You know, like you don't really, can't really tell what someone's going through and, and with their mental. So do you feel like that's the one area that um, deserves a little bit more attention and people should, you know, put some time aside for? I definitely do. And like one of the questionnaires on the hospital when a person has admitted is like, do you have any suicidal thoughts? Do you have any thoughts of hurting yourself? And I feel like that's the right step in the right direction, but something has to be a follow-up um, once they're in the hospital because your mindset definitely changes. So I definitely think mental health gets like the back burner until it's too late. So there definitely has to be more conversation about um where your state is when you come into the hospital and while you're continuing to be there because you just never know how long your um your stay will uh, will be so if you're by yourself you're with your thoughts and things change and no one there's no follow-up question after like your second day third day there how's your mental do you feel thoughts of hurting yourself any suicidal ideations there's nothing after that it's just that first admission so i definitely think there's room for improvement of figuring out someone's mental health um, along their stay in the hospital. Yeah. And then that, and that's the, the ending part of what you said is important too, of like when they're in the hospital. So we're just talking about patients, mm -hmm. right. That are actually there. Um, but even on a, on a, on a bigger scale, like before someone, I guess, is admitted into a hospital, um, how would you kind of like, what's your thoughts and opinions on just like the longevity or the lasting effects of someone who might be dealing with mental health, but like doesn't want to go to the hospital. Right. Because I think that's a, another problem in our community, unfortunately, is like the fear of going in a hospital or the fear of going to a doc to a doctor. But like how, how important do you think, I guess, early detection is, if you will? Oh, very important. Definitely. Just like for someone who you're just regularly talking to, if you see signs or hear things like or if they even make a joke, because a joke can be really telling mm -hmm. that man, if you could just take my stuff, I don't care about things like the statement, I don't care. Like that could also mean something. So definitely offering up like therapy, if not, and, or 
um, if you're not going to a hospital or a doctor, just or having someone to talk to, writing down your feelings, writing down notes, things like that needs to come into play um, prior to going into the hospital. Okay. Um, and I actually, obviously, you know, on a serious note, because I know that's something that people deal with, but it may not be public about, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, so how was how it, I guess, dealing with um, either a patient or someone in general, I guess, who who's willing to be um, that public and, and, and vocal about it? Um, you know, whether it be in a hospital, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm not sure too if like, you know, because people may be aware of what it is that you do, someone may ask for advice or whatever, but how is your, I guess, overall approach to that? That's, that's a good one. <laughs> overall approach. I mean, there is like a certain protocol where you got to let the provider know, then yeah. they got to do like a whole screening but outside of their job, it's just just letting them know that you're going to be there throughout their whole stay. And we're here to take care of you. Like everything outside thoughts are not important because right now you're in this state. Your health is the most important thing that we're going to focus on. And then what we could go from there. There's always resources. There's social work. There's um, therapy. There's spiritual advisors that can come to the bedside. So there's definitely different outlets. It's just if you're going to give that to the patient right in time before something else can like happen yeah and so and, and like yeah no i'm saying like no you did, you did and like so um being like like when you first started in this like even dating back to like your first ever class or like your first step into this industry versus where you are now did you think it would be this uh heavy for lack of a better word, like where you do think that, you know, you were like really, really prepared since day one um, or was it kind of like a developmental process? I definitely think I was prepared just because I was CNA prior and I worked at like a regular rehab facility and then I went to the hospital and I was at the hospital for like three years before I was a nurse. Mm -hmm. However, being a nurse and being a CNA are like two completely different things. Like that liability like a patient's life is really in your hands as a, like as a nurse is definitely more serious than being a CNA. So it's a lot of pressure in that aspect. But at being a CNA first definitely helped me transition. That's why I always recommend like getting some type of experience before you say, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a PA. I want to be a nurse. Like just having that one-on-one -on -one experience will definitely tell you a lot about yourself. Yeah. And what would you say? to someone who, who's a CNA right now that's that's trying to be one of those things? I say keep going because it will be worth it. And don't ever forget where you started. Just because you're a nurse does not make you greater than a CNA because it's a teamwork environment. And as a nurse, I'm still doing CNA work. So it didn't really make a difference. It's just like a higher pay and more education. So I definitely say like, keep going. Like it will, it will all pay off in the end. And, that, and that's the thing too, though, right? I feel like, you know, obviously what you're doing requires um, education, right? Like it's not like, you know, something where you can just, all right, you know, I'm just going to randomly start this uh, business or whatever. Um, so what would you say, I guess, too, to someone who's just getting started? Like, and when you kind of think about the, 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 the path that you're on, like years from now, like, are there any type of, um, I won't say tactics, but things that you kind of thought about that kind of allowed you to keep going during your, during your journey? I would definitely say you're going to have some nights that you're going to cry and feel like 
you're not going to be able to make it through, but definitely lean on on your purpose. Like if you feel like you're really called to help others or to be in the healthcare field and give back to a certain community, I say like, go for it. Like zone in on the the finish line because the road is definitely going to be a little rocky. There's classes that you're going to feel like the t- the professor just wants you to fail, but in the end, if it's meant to be, it will be. And I feel like that's where I put my faith in it. Like, I know God has a purpose for me. I know God will make a way if it's meant to be. So that's honestly how I navigated my like career. But if you're not spiritual, whatever you think is your purpose, go for it. And then it will all come into play the way you want it to. You, you use a word that I, I like, and that's purpose. Um, do you feel like in the beginning, I mean, even now, um, that it was your, your purpose and your passion that allowed you to um, reach this stage? I definitely do. I think it took me a while to figure out like what my purpose was. I definitely had um, a family member tell me when my sister was in nursing school that I don't think nursing is for you. You're not like gentle and kind enough, but look at me now, you know? So it's just like, people don't see those different sides of you. Yeah, I could be like a hard exterior, but like I'm soft. So if you're coming to me in need, I'm an, I'm going to definitely be there. And I think that's where I had to figure out how the way, like my, the way I act, how that was going to lead into like my career choice and the path that I've decided to go in. So even though I came off as like business, I was going to be a lawyer, I was going to be hard. There's different side of nursing that would count for that. Like you got to stick up for your patient. You got to advocate for them in order for them to get the service. So I feel like it was like a nice, little transition of so what I was called to do because it's me being an advocate, me being a business person and me just wanting to help all in one and nursing was like that fit for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, you, again, you mentioned patient. So what's the uh, connection like between you and a patient? Like, is there, like, what's your um, like mentality in terms of just like, all right. Cause some, you know, some people in the field like to be brutally honest, <laughs> you know, and, and some like to, you know, sure code, I guess, to make the, you know, patient feel, you know, at ease. Um, but is there like a, a, a slippery slope? Obviously, you know, never lie, of course, but I'm saying like, is there um, just how, how you deal with a certain patient? Is there any, you know, what's the overall um, approach or that? I just think you have to, you honestly have to just be honest with your patient. Like the, the rights of nursing and like your oath that you took was yeah. just to be honest with your care. But also you can be gentle. You can like be soft with them. You don't have to be so hard because they're going through way more than what you are in that moment. So I definitely feel like you got to find a balance in both. So. Yeah. Cause I mean, I personally, I feel like, you know, my doctor, you know, like, or a nurse has an attitude. <laughs> it's like, you know, why are you upset? I'm the one here. <laughs> like, but, oh, but honestly, there, there's some patients who think you only have one like you're their only oh, okay. their private nurse. That's the issue. Okay. When you have five, six, and in nursing, there's a priority tax. Mm-hmm. Like your discharge is not a priority to someone's blood pressure being 200 over 100. Right. So I think that like patients definitely need to like find a balance. It's not that we have an attitude. Right, it's right, just right. We have priorities. Okay. So, all right. So let's tap into that. So juggling that, right? Like obviously, again, I, I you know, priorities, but what's the um thought process behind not necessarily like who gets 
higher priority or not, but just like, what would you say to patients to make sure that they understand like, you know, I'm with you, but you know, you just, you know, you're, you're coughing in comparison to someone who's a little bit more, you know, closer to the end, if you will. So what would you say to priority? You, you definitely have to tell, start with like, I understand, I get it. And then that, I feel like that eases the conversation for them to, you know, understand that I will, you will get the care that you need and you deserve. However, I have to attend to a patient who is like life or death. And I feel like once you say something like that, they understand, but also that's where the teamwork environment comes in, where you can have another nurse step in and do like a, a task, whatever the patient's asking while you're dealing with the bigger situation. Okay. So. Good. And I also want to talk to um, about emotions, right? Like, so as human beings, we're obviously, you know, emotional people. Um, and some people, you know, take their emotion with them before work into work um, with what, you know, you may be doing that might not be ideal, right? So like, how do you kind of manage your um, emotions ahead of time? I know we talked about after work and not taking it, you know, with you home, but like, how do you kind of prepare yourself to like, all right, I'm going into, you know, something serious. So I, I just started like this whole positive affirmations. So before I go into work, I tell myself, I'm going to have a good day. No matter what, I'm going to have a good day. And then I let the day like play out. So like my morning time, I just gather my thoughts and get ready. And I just go in with like a positive mindset. Because before, like when I first started nursing, I was just like, great, I got to go back. Like, great. Like, I was just getting frustrated. But I feel like as if you tell yourself, like, you're going to have a good day, you are, you're able to walk out like, I did what I was needed, like, that needed to be done. There was nothing else, like, when your shift is over. But when you go in there negative, I feel like just, the day just goes down. Like, there's no saving it. Yeah. So I def- you got to definitely find a balance. Yeah. I feel like that applies to, like, a lot of things. You know, mm-hmm. like, if you start your day off or if you, you know, just walk into anything negative, then you're already you know, off to a rough start. Um, yeah, but it's not only your thought process. You definitely have to say it out loud because mm-hmm. when you say it, it comes to pass. So mm-hmm. I definitely started, you know, being more vocal, like today's going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. What do you say like that positive energy kind of carries over to your patients? Definitely. I feel like they can see what I'm coming in with the attitude. They could feel like that energy. So if I'm coming in with good vibes, good energy, good morning, like my name is, and they could just feel like today's going to be a good day. Like I have a nurse who's excited to be here and not just like it's another job. I'm just here for a check. So I definitely say coming with good vibes. Has it ever happened to you when um, it was done in reverse? Like, you know, like a patient either I made you look at life differently or just like, wow, you know, they're, if, they're, if they're this happy dealing with what they got going on, maybe I should start, you know, well, maybe not, not start, but it's the idea of like, you know, it just makes you look at life in an alternative way. Yeah, especially when you're having a hard day and you see like a patient with like their family member talking to the family member and saying everything's going to be okay. Like giving them the reassurance, knowing good and well that today might not be a good day for them. I think that definitely puts me in like a better state. Like they have a positive mindset, so I can too. Like you just, when nursing, you just never know what you're going to walk into. And a lot of the patients end up being my little healthcare worker as well, because they put a smile on my face when I'm feeling down, when I feel overwhelmed or I'm running up and down. And they're just like, Antoinette, you're doing a good job today. 
I'm just like, really, I am? Because I feel like I'm not paying you no mind. You know, like that's, I feel like that's where I'm able to like, and at the end of the day, love what I do, even though it could get crazy. So. Yeah, I bet. And, and it's just crazy to hear, you know, stories like this, you know, where it's like, we're talking about literal like life and death. It's not, it's bigger than just, all right, you know, someone who's, you know, just regularly clocking, clocking in, I guess is, you know, some, some heavy, heavy stuff. Um, but when you were in school taking, you know, your class for this, um, I'm just going to ask, did you see a lot of Black people? No, actually, I went to um, Shenandoah University in Virginia to do my, like, accelerated nursing program, mm-hmm. and I was the only Black person in my cohort, which was shocking, to say the least. Yeah. No, I need was, you to. Was- that's not the one I'm like all right so no 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 because I honestly took a chance like leaving Connecticut I said I'm gonna have a fresh start I was excited then I walk in orientation day like where's the people like me like what what's going on Mm. and then I saw like another um black young lady come to find out she was at the wrong orientation so I got my hopes up like oh yeah girl (laughs) gonna be close and then it didn't happen. So it was definitely like a shell shock. But honestly, I feel like that made me the strong person that I am today and gave me like some of the best friendships that I have. Because when I was at UConn, I never really mixed and mingled with like the white um, students on the campus. I was always like in the AACC or, you know, I always had like black friends, but it also gave me a perspective. And I felt like I educated them on what uh, like a black patient would need or how they can like communicate with me without being offensive. So I definitely think it was like a blessing in disguise. Yeah. And so you, you said when you were down there that you were the only black woman or black person in general, like man and woman or black person and black woman. Person. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Both. Okay. Well, definitely round of applause. Um, Honestly. <laughs> but all right. So talk to me too about the obstacles of that because you know headlines like that you know it, it obviously sounds good but again like when you're really like living in it day to day and just like all right you walk in you don't see anyone that you know looks like you it was that um a tough time were you were you extremely just focused and locked in on your goal that you know definitely but I felt alone like I thought this was gonna be I thought I honestly came in like I'm gonna have a different experience than like my first bachelor's and I was going to have fun. But then I got there and I'm just like, who's going to, you know, joke around with me? Like, who's going to get my jokes? Who am I going to study with? Like, who, like, who's going to get me? And I did not have that. So it honestly took me a while to warm up, like in the classroom and maybe like a month or two before I started finally talking to people because I'm already like a reserved person. And then I'm just like, what if they don't like me for me? What if I'm, you know, too black for them? They're not going to get my jokes, you know? Like, those are definitely thought processes that goes through your head, even though I'm like, I'm pro-black, but in this classroom, I feel so small. So it was definitely like an adjustment that I had to make. And there was definitely comments where I'm just like, you know, I said, hold up. Yeah, 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 You know, it was, so I had to, you know, play my cards right, but I mean... Do, I made it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, do you feel like though there were times where like you couldn't completely be yourself? Definitely. Because there was there was one situation I had a classmate that really tried 
to like get underneath my skin and made some like remarks when like the Black Lives Matter movement was in its prime. Oh. Um, and I, I looked, I looked back like, did he really just say that? But there was no one that looked like me right, to right, really, right. you know, bounce that idea. Yeah. So then there was the one I had out of all my professors, I had one professor who said, who stood up and said, what he said was wrong. You should definitely do something about it. But the rest of the professor just went on with her day as if he did not say that. So then I had to go to like the president and talk about it. And I said, how can you, how can you have a nursing student who's going to take care of people of color, make a comment like that? And the remark was like, we could talk about it. We could meet about it, but no action was taken. He still graduated with us. So I feel like if I had, you know, someone to confide in, someone within my class, you know, in my corner, maybe would have been a little bit stronger, but it didn't work out that way. And I don't know where he's at now, but <laughs> hopefully his black patients are safe. Yeah. Do you think that there's anything that can be done to avoid a, another situation like that in terms of you being, you know, the one and only black person? Well, I definitely brought up to school, like you need to have representation in your professors. There needs to be, because I only saw one black professor at that school that was like a, a part of the nursing school. So I definitely feel like it starts from the head because there needs to be conversations with those that are like higher up about why, why don't we see more people of color as our students? Like why, like that's a conversation I can't have as a student coming in, but you being at the university in your tenure, that will make like more of a difference. So I feel like it honestly starts with the head, but before I left, I definitely saw more people of color coming into the nursing program. So I don't know if my class was like the one that sparked the conversation. And then they said, oh yeah, like there's only one black girl in this program. Maybe we should do more. I, I honestly don't know. And I haven't checked on that school since. So maybe, yeah. 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 But, but you know, it, it's a, uh, that, that you bring up a good point though. Like it starts with the head. Like, I didn't really think of that in terms of like, you know, professors is, is one place where you can start. Cause obviously you can't always control applies and stuff like that but you choose professors um, exactly. but th but that's a, a a very good point do you think that there's like i won't say programs but just like overall initiatives that can be done and even starting like at the high school level like in terms of certain things being introduced to like our youth like do you did, was there a program or, or did you have anything growing up that allowed you i mean obviously you know i know you mentioned your sister but was mm -hmm. there anything else that you kind of like all right this helped me kind of get here not not specifically at school I would say definitely like going to church so we had like a girls club and I definitely had like women I was surrounded by women who were nurses teachers like definitely something to look forward to but at Bloomfield High personally we never had a career fair we only had like a college fair but I definitely think if they started with a career fair you could go into college with like a mindset like oh what would this degree bring about like it was definitely a conversation. I've definitely had like a conversation with other people from Bloomfield High who was like, they should definitely add a career fair. Maybe that would be like my way to get back to the community. So we'll see what happens, but there definitely has to be more, not just a college fair. So there wasn't um, a career fair. You said there was a college fair. Mm -hmm. um, so to someone, I guess, 
let's say there was another young auntie out, out there, um, you know, whether, you know, this person's at Bloomfield High or wherever, um, what would you say to the you uh, 10 years ago? You know, look, looking back at what you know now and um, everything that you've gone through, what would you say, um, including, including everything, right? Like I, I know even, you know, you mentioning uh, the, the three-year break that you had to deal with, um, you know, you mentioned going to school and being the only black um, person, I'm just one of a person um, in, your, in your class and, and throughout all that, obviously you made it through, but um, what would you say to someone who might be literally going through that right now? Yikes. I would say keep going. Like there's going to be self-doubt. There's going to be people who are going to stare you in a different direction, but you have to listen to your heart and just know that God like has a path for you that was specifically designed for you. If you stay away from that, you're going to go in the wrong direction, but you just have to like stay focused on what you were called to do. And even though you might not know in that moment what it is, as long as your heart is in it, it's going to lead you in the right direction. I feel like I'll tell myself that because there's definitely times I doubted myself, like first going to UConn, like my first year, I wanted to leave. I wanted to go to HBCU because I was just like, this is not my people. After, you know, being from Bloomfield High, we didn't have, it wasn't a diverse school. I don't know how it is now, but I was just like, these people don't get me. So I wanted to leave, but I would say you have to keep like going on that path because now I have like the best friendships mm. to this day. So yeah, people don't know that, but I was going to leave my freshman wow. year. So. Wow. Uh, You're going to leave after Wow. Yeah. Wow. Then, but then you stayed. So, so what made you stay? Like, did, did someone like, you know, convince you to stay or did, did you even tell anyone before this? Oh no. <laughs> no, I honestly wanted to go to either HBCU or I wanted to go to Syracuse so I could still be like, oh, my. like oh, Warhawks. My. shout out to Warhawks, but <laughs> it was either one, but it was honestly me getting involved in the AACC, like the fashion shows, like the YSO, like BSA meetings, the parade, homecoming parade. Then I met like my closest friends now, Denisha, Keela, and Michelle, and then it was like history and we're all friends now still, so like it worked out and I had to key in my dorm room who was like the only I think like the second black person on our floor at UConn so it just it worked out for me to stay yeah so all right so do you think like the experience and the exposure to being around other people that look like you had played a, a huge factor in that and definitely okay. because I was, I was missing my people okay like, yes like going to PWI, it has it's it's kind of rough. Like when you don't have that like one person you could confide in, and like understands your struggles. So, mm-hmm. AACC definitely played a huge part in me staying. Yeah, and shout out to you know organizations just overall initiatives like that. I think like I really do think that like that's a huge part as to why a lot of people. Now, obviously, you persevered and and, and made it, but I think that's a huge reason why a lot of people just either slow down with their processes because. You look to your left and you look to your right and you don't see anyone that looks like you. That is a huge, huge challenge. Like it's not even always about, you know, just being smart. It's like, who is supposed to motivate me when I can't motivate myself? And that, and that's a, you know, you deal with that as a human. Um, but so in all of uh, the courses that you've taken and all the classrooms that you've been in, right, and, and, and where you are now, of course, would you say it's all been worth it? All the, the, the long nights, 
the sacrifices, um, the events that you may not have been able to attend because you had to study or whatever the case may have, have been? Do you feel like you can say with confidence that, you know what, it, 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 was, it was definitely worth it? It was definitely worth it. I can say that. I was even thinking about going back to school. So it's definitely worth it. I, th- I think, you know, um, do, you, do you feel in terms of like education, right? Because obviously, like I said, you know, this was a, a career where you, you need to be educated. Um, what, what do you think the benefit has college of college has meant to you? You know, just like, and I know obviously, you know, to hear it now, you've had mixed feelings about UConn after your freshman year, but that's okay. Um, but what would you say as a whole, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's kind of meant to your overall um, journey? Just being a first generation, say like, I'm starting a process that my parents weren't unable to do, but they like provided me with the opportunity to go to school. And then I'm going to be able to provide for my like future kids to go to school and like go to college. Definitely started that up for me, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's okay. And the reason why I ask that though is because nowadays, you know, there's obviously always conversations of, you know, whether or not someone should go to college or get a trade or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. Um, And I personally don't think that there's a wrong answer, but I just think it's interesting to hear, um, you know, your, your, your perspective as to, you know, someone who's um, got not one, but two of, of, of her bachelor's. So I think that's a, a pretty cool, but how is that though? Having two, not, not one. I mean, the first one, it didn't really serve me any purpose, to be honest. It was just a pathway for me to be where I am. It was like a like a little stepping ground. So I guess that's, you know, it's all right. But I had a presidential scholarship, so we okay, already talk talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> more, more, more shade towards, towards, towards you kind of see. Oh, no, 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 no. There's no shade. I'm, go Huskies. Yay. But... <laughs> definitely i'm ready for the future let's right, see who right. my other gonna be if i go back to school but but even but even in saying that though, I, like do you think that like just having gone through the actual process of going to school you know you come wherever but just like do you think the idea of going to school has helped you you know form a different opinion if not the same opinion about your overall thoughts towards college and whether or not people should go and stuff definitely i feel like it it provided like a structure for me like there was one, like the first year, freshman year, that was one goal I accomplished that, like I passed. And then the second goal. So it definitely like helped build me into like the person I am that like goals are, you know, attainable as long as you like keep trying and putting like your, your like, um, what is the word? What's the saying? What? Your best foot forward. There okay, we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's, you know, is that be true? I mean, you talked about that too, you know, with, you know, daily affirmations, you're just like, you know, that it's all part of it, you know, it's all um, a process, but, you know, obviously, you know, you mentioned, you know, you went to Bloomfield High, then you went to UConn, both of those in-state, but did you ever have, um, like, were you ever hesitant to, like, move out of the state, and was that something no. that? Nope. Do you not like Connecticut? <laughs> maybe no, that, can I? <laughs> maybe, no, maybe I that's think I'm being out of here in the next year, so. Definitely. I, I applied to all, only you like Connecticut school I applied to was UConn. And that was because I graduated as like salutatorian of like my high school. So I knew I was going to get money mm-hmm. and it was going to be, you know, less stress on my parents. Mm-hmm. And then the school that gave me the most money happened to be UConn. So there was no getting out of it. Right. So then I went to UConn, but 
definitely Syracuse was like my first. I, I don't like the way you're saying that though. I don't like it. Sounds like oh, you know, I, you know, I had to go because you know it was the opportunity was there. So I just went. Don't don't treat <laughs> you kind of like some third option. Like that's that's hey. <laughs> no, but I still love you. You I told you I made like the best friendships. Like, but compared to my sister going to Penn State and then I had to stay here and go to UConn, it was just like eh. right, right, right. You know so. Then, but I do appreciate what UConn has done for me and the friendships I made. That was the best part of it. Okay. Then do you, do you regret it then? I know, I know you say you, you made, you know, obviously great friendships out of that school and obviously, you know, you're, you're where you are because that was a part of your journey, but I guess put like this, is there anything that you would have done differently? Is there anything that, would, you know, I probably would have came in with a major just so I didn't have to go back to school like mm. a second time mm. probably would have been further along in my career but mm. everything happens for a reason so I can't complain yeah and then the right one so it is what it is yeah I mean yeah, you live and you learn I mean at the end of the day I think finishing is, is a testament in itself to the overall like perseverance because college you know depending on what it is that you do like it's not always you know easier it's not always like a fun time there's there's mm-hmm. definitely like some some downfalls to it um you know, yeah. and they may not be, you know, as common, but like there's, you know, not everyone gets to finish. And I, and I think being able to do so is definitely something that um, people should be, you know, proud of. Um, I agree. But so, yeah, so, um, you know, we talked about obviously your, your, your overall journey to, you know, where you are today, <clears throat> being a first generation college student, you know, taking that uh, through your three year break, um, being the only um, black person in, 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 in the class down in VA. Um, and that kind of leads me into the final question that I have for you. And it's a question that I ask everyone that's been on Defining Legacy. Um, and that question is, how do you want to be remembered? Oh, how do I want to be remembered? That's a good one. I watched your interviews, but I never, you know, I never really answered right, it right. Oh. Right. It, it, it probably like hits a little different. Like when you hear it, like, you know, when, it, when yeah. it, I guess when it's asked to you as an individual, you know, it really makes you kind of, you know, pause um, the thing but yeah. I think I want to be remembered as someone who didn't only live for herself, but live for others. Someone who knows how to give back and care for others while also caring about herself and like her own mind state and what the future has in store for her. See, this is a good one. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't only want to be a helping hand medically, but outside of that, like outside of the job that pays me, I would definitely want to do more. Yeah, that's that's really a good one. <laughs> All right, well, but why is that? Why, why would you want to do more? Because I feel like your purpose doesn't, isn't fulfilled with a paycheck. It's definitely something more than that. It shouldn't be a job, but it should be something you were called to do without having to get like, like payment for it. Something you're like passionate about. So that's why I say that. Because you know money though, is nice, but it doesn't bring happiness. Hmm. So. You know what, though, to follow up off that, do you ever see, I don't know if you can tell, but like wealthy patients, if that makes sense, like, like 
You know, I know mm-hmm. age is one thing, but like, do you see people with, who have a lot of money but still struggle with their health? You see that? Wait, that has a lot of money and does what? Like that struggles with their um health or like just ends up is a patient. Like if they're wealthy. Honestly, not a thing about it. No, mm. I feel the wealthy patients that I met were all older. I never met like a young, um, like wealthy patient. So I would think that they, you know, reach like a certain age in life that they were taking care of themselves. And that, that would be my guess. To be well, honest. yeah, well, I mean, like even regardless of age, like, you know, whether they were young or old, but if they were, the reason why I asked that is because like, to your point, you said that money doesn't always mean that like peace or like it doesn't always mean happiness. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, no matter how much money you might have, you know, if you're laying, you know, if you're on your deathbed or whatever, it's, it's, it's not the thing that, you know, you'll always be quote unquote remembered for. Um, and okay. I think, oh, yeah. you know, oftentimes, you know, folks allow money to, which I, you know, I get it, it's still money at the end of the day, but at the mm-hmm. same time, no matter how much money you have, if your time is closer than you might think, you know, now, you know, I, I was just curious to see if there was any correlation, if you will, between like people who may have been wealthy, but also patients, but yeah, definitely. Okay, so now I get what you're saying. So like the wealthy patients that I met, I feel like on their their bed they're still worrying about money. They're still worrying about like the house, the car, but not like not they're just not at peace at where they're at. They always feel like they have to do more or give more. And honestly, I feel like it's a correlation of who really comes to see you and who cares. Because there's a lot of wealthy patients who get no visitors or not even a phone call or like a checkup. So I definitely feel like the way you spend your money or like the time you spend with others are more important than like the money that you actually have. Cause when it's all said and done, who's going to be there and your money is gone. Like when you're gone. So yeah, definitely in correlation with that though. Yeah. That's scary. I didn't even really like think of it like that, that, you know, that wasn't the direction I was going, but I'm glad you. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. That's a, that's a, that's a great thing. Like being like I was comparing it to like life and obviously, you know, like being close to end, but like being like a wealthy patient in the hospital and having so much money, but then not receiving like any phone calls or like you wake up or like from whatever and like see that like there's no one. That's crazy. I haven't really like, damn, that's kind of heavy. I've seen it happen and it's really sad. So we become your family at that point. Yeah. Wow. So I didn't want to leave on a, like, a well, <laughs> nursing well, is great. <laughs> yeah, 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 but still, I mean, but, but you know, though, even still, I mean, that's, that's the, the, the sad truth maybe behind it. It's like, you know, you talk about from your perspective, but even from a patient's perspective, it's like, damn, that's, that's a fear. That, that's, that's kind of scary. I, oof. Oof legacy so i was just like no no that that is a great one thing and like i said I, I hope at least one person who hears this knows that like hey money like i said i think everyone knows right money is cool money is nice money is convenient it's powerful and all that but man it's got to be scary to have all that and mm-hmm. i still have nothing and then receive no funk oh mm-hmm. um <laughs> well damn <laughs> um <laughs> yeah that that's um that's a not the great all right i gotta think of something else i want to end on um you know that, that that's a heavy note to um wrap up on well there's right. many 
different fields. You could go to a nursing. It there doesn't have go. to be in the hospital. You, you could do travel nurse. You could do public health. You could work for big corporations. There's many things you could do with nursing. So the opportunity is endless. There you go. There you go. That was a perfect commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that was a perfect commercial. Um, so yeah, if, if you want, if you feel comfortable, um, drop your social or if like, you know, you want people to reach out if they have questions of whatnot, um, you know, and, and, and all that. So definitely, I only have an IG that I'm currently on. So you can add me on IG, auntie with three Y's underscore XO. Okay, perfect, perfect. And are there in, uh, any final words that you would like to leave our audience with um, some, anything? It, it, it can be um, anything you'd like. Ooh, I say, what can I say? Um, if you feel like giving up, don't give up. There's a long road ahead of you, but it will all be worth it. Just surround yourself with good vibes, good energy. Ignore the socials, ignore what other people are doing. Make yourself your own goal and your priority and life will be happy. Facts. Heavy on the ignore your socials if you have to. He- heavy on the like social media can be good and can be informational, but mm-hmm. it can be a distraction and it can you know poison a lot of people's minds. You know, like I, I compare social media is very similar to like food in terms of like what you put in your body, it can damage you. And social media is the exact same way. Like mm-hmm. definitely cause harm if, if you allow it to. So if you have to, y'all, ignore any and all socials. Um, but yeah, thank thank you, thank you, thank you for you know for being on the show. It, it was definitely um, a heavy and also a needed episode. Um, I'm glad you know obviously you were able to um, you know share your story and everything like that. Um, definitely much appreciated, y'all. And and on the Defiant Legacy front, uh, make sure you know you all you know check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Obviously, subscribe on uh, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Um, and again, check out the the store and the link. Um, of the description of this episode but yeah we, we appreciate you for being on the show um auntie and just like that y'all we gone peace <laughs>